Welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-hosts. She is all-seeing, and she is all-knowing, Whitney mm-hmm. Nelson. <laughs> God damn right. Uh, Hello, everybody. <laughs> the Bowery King, of course. It yes. totally makes sense. Totally. <laughs> I'm basically indistinguishable from Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Basically. Good, good. And you don't want him owing you. Eric Hall returns. That's right. Hello. 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 Oh, my goodness. We're back for a good one. <laughs> yeah. I got a good one. You got a good one. <laughs> you can't give a shit anymore. You got a good one. We promised you a good one after right. the last couple that we stuck you with. You deserve right. this. Bask in it. Take, take well, a now, moment. Take a now moment. Now I feel like I was whining, but I wasn't. <laughs> Um, I'm 100% sure you whined at least once. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. So, again, some of those really felt like favors, so also <laughs> thank you for being a part of them. I'm not saying the whining wasn't legitimate. <laughs> I'm right. just saying it definitely was. It took place, but also valid. Valid. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here and stoked for this good, good movie. Yay, All right. this good, good movie. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Let's get to it real quick. Uh, as always, though, let's get this out of the way up top. We've got a couple cool things. Uh, you can always uh, find our website at coolbreezepod.com, email us coolbreezepod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. We have uh, two emails that I would like to read, uh, and then follow-ups from both of these emails later on that Whitney will take care of. So here we go. <laughs> Because it was like, we get these long emails and it's like, here are some general thoughts. And then it's like, and now the movie. And it's a completely different part of the email. And it's it's greatly structured. I love it. I appreciate it. So here we go. Uh, listener Melissa Chanka wrote in with the following. Uh, just finished listening to your To The Bone podcast last episode. Nicely done. Everything Whitney said about it was spot on. So there you go, Whitney. Applause. As per use. As per, yeah, right. No, no argument. No lies detected. Right. <laughs> Um, Melissa goes on, I have been trying to do my own list of favorite Keanu movies, but like Zoe, (laughs) this is just hilarious. I have 30 or so as my (laughs) go-to plus, uh, plus Swedish dicks. That's a very difficult configuration of words to put together. (laughs) Um, I do not have a critical eye when it comes to things that entertain me. I either like it or I don't. I also mostly just have things on in the background, so I don't fully pay attention to anything. My absolute favorite Keanu movie is John Wick Chapter 2. That is the one thing I do know. Please, please, please do yourself a favor by watching Swedish Dicks. It's 20 episodes that clock in at 22 minutes each. Worth the time and effort. It's ridiculous and funny. Keanu is great in a comedic role. Uh, Also, you should go on to check out Freaked. Keanu plays Ortiz the dog, but he is uncredited, which is hilarious. He's played a cat and a dog, so a wide range of animals as well. I think he may actually be Ortiz the dog boy. Is that? I, I think. I, I think he actually appears in this film as a dog boy. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. As All opposed right. to Keanu, where it's just kind of his voice. Get yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Melissa finishes up by saying, "I don't think Freaked is that great. It's not my type of movie, but it seems to have a fairly solid fan base." Thank you, Melissa. Um, it's seeming more and more likely that Whitney and I, and maybe we'll bring a couple other folks along for the ride for Swedish dicks. If it's, it doesn't seem like too much of a, 
a huge time commitment. And if he's in it prominently and it's Peter Stormare, why not? Why the hell not? Right. Yeah, that kind of seems like a no-brainer for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the gifts I've seen of Keanu are also from that, you know, keep up the funk, all that good stuff. Uh, and then <laughs> Zoe P follows up from last week with something short and sweet. Just want to say that my mom, mum, loved your thoughts on her thoughts <laughs> about her favorite Keanu films. We celebrated with wine. So there nice. you go. Excellent. Thanks, Zoe's mom. Thanks, well Zoe's done. mom. <laughs> Uh, if you're watching live on Periscope or Twitch, chime in with your two cents, have us read your comments out loud, agree, disagree, debate you, all that good stuff. And then finally, if you want to be excellent to us, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes, bring more folks into the fray. Uh, that, that, that's all the housekeeping. That's it for now. So Eric, uh, I'm very excited. Tell us why we're here. Today, we are talking about the film John Wick Chapter 2. Yes. Uh, yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All of that track so far. Uh, the plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is, come on, you saw the first one. You know what's happening here. <laughs> right. Come on. Come on. Legendary hitman John Wick is forced back out of retirement by a former associate plotting to seize control of a shadowy international assassins guild bound by a blood oath to help him. John travels to Rome where he squares off against some of the world's deadliest killers. Okay, mm. sure. Mm. I guess all of that does happen. That's not why you're here. <laughs> it's true. Uh-huh. Yeah. That it does all happen. But uh, The film was written and directed by Chad Stahelski, whose only previous directing credit was John Wick, um, but has been involved in films and television as a stuntman for almost three decades. Uh, I believe he was on, was it Deadpool? Or maybe yeah. Deadpool 2. He went from this to Deadpool 2, something like that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. like he's he's got the chops and it, it shows in these movies. Absolutely. Uh, new stars to this franchise include Ricardo Scaramucci, Ruby Rose, Claudia Garini, Peter Serafinowicz, and Lawrence Fishburne. Um, I would also like to point out that there's a wonderful cameo by Franco Neri, the original Django. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh -huh. returning stars include Ian McShane, Lance Reddick, and John Leguizamo. Oh, yes. All doing their goddamn best. <laughs> the best work of their careers. <laughs> I will say that uh, my watching this movie did inspire my boyfriend to watch at least one Django movie, if not more. Because he's a big mm. fan of those, like old spaghetti westerns from italy and whatnot and so he was like i gotta go back and watch one of those Django movies <laughs> nice uh -huh. nice uh whitney what did the critics and the people have to say about this film well it's 89 percent certified fresh by the yes. critics hell yeah and 85 percent audience i find it crazy that there's any discrepancy at all or that audience would be lower than critics because like critically there's a lot to like about this movie but yeah. i would not say that looking at this movie with a critical eye is what this movie is after no <laughs> so that mm -hmm. there would be i would expect it to be at least as high as the critical score or higher not lower than the critical score for the audience but you know what do I know? Yeah. 
on paper, this is definitely one with a much higher audience score. And it's one of those movies. It doesn't apply to this, but this could be one of those movies where people are like, oh, just turn your brain off. You're just there for the action. Mm -hmm. So the fact that there's any discrepancy, you're right, is weird. Yeah. So we have a critic quote from Caitlin Booth of Bleeding Cool, who says, John Wick Chapter 2 takes the slick, no-nonsense action of the original and builds upon the world it inhabits while delivering top-notch action scenes. Yes. Factual. (laughs) Uh, We have a user quote from Carlos M. on Rotten Tomatoes, who gave it four out of five stars. And says, an exhilarating sequel that does justice to the first movie by expanding this fascinating world of criminals and assassins to another level with its rules, scope, and reach, while at the same time offering us more amazing fight scenes, deaths, in parentheses, lots of them, (laughs) and set pieces. And then we are going to continue Melissa's email with her thoughts about John Wick 2. Where she wrote in to say, it's my favorite of the franchise and his movie catalog. I watch it probably once every two weeks. I didn't really like John Wick 3. And then in parentheses, she says, eek. And that's <laughs> at least she's also, acknowledging yes. it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But more on that when we get there. This one felt the most, quote, real to me. I loved how they built the backstory. I love the montage where he gets his suits and guns. The actor walking him through the gun choices was perfectly cast. I mean, Peter Serafinowicz is just great, period. Can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Spoon! (laughs) 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 Sorry, I'm still sad they canceled the tick. Yeah, you you and Jamie both. Um, It's on in their hearts, you know, in your hearts. Uh, I love how he loses control killing the guy in the Continental. Uh, Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about that later anyway. Um, I have watched this movie at least 50 times, and I can only remember John Wick's name. That's, That's funny to me. Yeah. It's the only name that matters, so don't worry about it, Melissa. <laughs> and then she says, my f- absolute favorite scene is when he's in Rome to kill the sister. I love her walk in the silver sparkly dress. I love his reveal in the mirror. I love that she says nope instead of killing herself with the blades. She had just kept up in her hair in an updo. The scene ending with her blood looking like angel wings, just spot on all around. This movie is a 100 to me, just all around fun to watch, engaging, well filmed, and cut. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's the show. over. <laughs> That's the show. Thanks, right, Melissa. Guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Mo- Melissa Eric, did I all hope the you work. enjoyed this one. <laughs> <laughs> 19 minutes. We're, we're doing great. Best episode ever. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is the part where we get into, did this movie work for you? But I got to be honest, I've been waiting with bated breath to hear about how the how you two fancily saw this movie. So please, <laughs> can y'all set the scene for me? What was this All right. like? So Eric spent probably $300 to take Amtrak up to New York and then Uh see this movie. It was definitely not a cheap theater. It was one of those reclining seats, heated seats. We had like plush blankets and pillows. Okay. It was like, it was folded up like airplanes used to do all the time on the seat with like the blanket and the pillow. (laughs) And then it was it was like table service for 
Um, you could get popcorn and you could get snacks, but you could also get food or, in my case, a carafe of cocktail. So they didn't have to come back and bring me multiple cocktails. They could just give sure. me like three cocktails at once for the whole movie. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, to our New York listeners, this was the IPIC Theater in Fulton Market in yes. Manhattan. And we had, I mean, she says I took the train just to see this movie. I also came to visit Whitney. Well, uh, yes, I mean, <laughs> right. Two we like went to brunch stone, and like know? we yeah. hung out and, and yeah, it was definitely uh, twofold. But the reason <laughs> it happened when it happened was because we were going to go see John Wick. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So it it was amazing. It was amazing. This is pre um, Alamo Draft House, I think. Maybe not mm-hmm. pre Alamo Draft House, but definitely um, the only place that had John Wick tickets available opening weekend. By the time we went to go buy them, um, it was a crazy theater. I think it was actually post Alamo Draft House in New York, and we were really surprised that they did not have this movie. Oh, I think you're right. I think we wanted to see it (laughs) at the draft house and they weren't showing it. And we were like, why would you not? At this point, we were just committed. We were like, damn it, we're seeing (laughs) this movie. No, I don't care if I'm spending $35 on a movie ticket (laughs) before popcorn or cocktails. If you're going to do it on any movie, though, really, I think y'all picked quite a good one. Yeah, no, I mean, it. it was it was super good to have like a carafe of cocktails and to be basically just laying down with a blanket in a dark theater. It was couldn't really have asked for a better way to see it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's I did that. Well, when we get to John Wick Chapter Three, I, I'm, it's going to be a thing now where I just have to go to a theater that serves alcohol. Because it's just like the perfect experience. You get like a big beer stein or whatever your drink of choice is and just be like, I'm here. Let's do this. For yeah. 90 yeah. to <laughs> 90 minutes it, to two hours. It I'm makes in. something that is already an event feel like more of an event when you're doing something like a cocktail or like a big beer or something. And also, these movies are so fun when you're buzzed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're fun anyway, but they're really, really fun when you've had a couple and you're just like, your jaw just drops as you're watching it. And you're like, what's even happening right now? This is the best thing I've ever seen. Which is yeah. definitely what I did after a carafe of cocktails. <laughs> sure, then they saved the best for last. So, I mean, Eric can attest to this. I literally like skipped out of the theater because I had so much adrenaline after watching it. I feel like it was like after a, a little kid saw Ninja Turtles, like she was doing like karate and stuff. <laughs> In, on like yeah, Wall Street, like I was like, people. yeah, like parkouring <laughs> off stoops yeah. of fancy Wall Street marble buildings and stuff. Yeah, that all checks out. This is this is Ninja Turtles for adults. I, it I, is. I get it. Yeah, I totally sure. get it. All right. Well, that all right. That lived up to expectations. That is quite. That is. That sounds like quite a theater going experience. So yeah, it was, glad it was to a good time. Yeah. So. I'm thinking that probably one of you should should take it away about, you know, I think we all have a lot to say about this. So we can kind of just <laughs> piggyback and, and yeah. add on where yeah. necessary. Eric, take us away. All right. Uh, I mean, you know, did this movie work for me? Yes, of course. It is amazing. <laughs> um, you know, and your episode for John Wick Chapter One, I think you kind of summed up how this movie 
changed sort of the landscape and how, sorry, John Wick one changed the landscape and sort of stripping down everything out of a, an action film that was sort of extraneous and just, um, amping what was left up to 11 Mm -hmm. And somehow they managed to keep that kept it at 11, but then put everything (laughs) back in. Exactly. Um, (laughs) And I will be honest with you. I, I agree with Melissa a little bit in that I'm not as big a fan of three. For me, it's probably like, I don't know. It's probably two, one, three for me as far as ranking them. Interesting. Um, And part of that is all of the stuff they put back in. Um, I loved the world building in this one. Like you get a little hint of it in the first one and, and you know, you, you don't have to know what's going on. They do a good job with like showing, not telling. So, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody has to explain all of the, the, you know, machinations to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and in this one, like, you know, learning that the continental is international. Well, of course it is, but like you wouldn't really just think about that, getting a bigger insight into like what it means at the high table. Um, and then of course the addition of Lawrence Fishburne's like army of the unhomed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is just amazing. Um, incredible. Yeah. Um, so, um, in terms of sort of, you know, what the movie does, it's funny because I feel like this movie starts in a first draft. Um, the movie picks up what, like two hours after the first movie ends, maybe. Yeah. He maybe. has time. He goes home, he drops off the, the dog and then he goes looking for his car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's sort of vaguely the inciting incident, but I feel like that could have been dropped. Um, it, the movie could have just started with him at home and, you know, his marker gets called in. Um, but other than that, and that's not a misstep. It's great to watch him go get his car back and kill a bunch of guys for his car. And then, you know, then the car gets smashed and I start crying. Um, but like... No. Like, that's the only piece of this movie that I'm like, yeah, you could cut that. But then you cut Peter Stormare, and that's not acceptable. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) 100%. I wish Peter Stormare's in more of this movie. I'm I'm with you on that. (laughs) I think that the only thing that it gives to the story is the unrelentingness of John Wick. That, like... He's not done with it, even when he thinks he's going to be done with it after the car. He's not done with it until he's fully done with it. And Peter Stormare knows that. That's where they're really starting to get into the whole boogeyman Baba Yaga stuff. (laughs) Is that, like, he got revenge for the dog, but we have his car, so he's still not done. And I don't think that it necessarily needs that, because I think we've pretty clearly already established that in the first John Wick. You don't need to necessarily reiterate, but I do think that that's kind of why it's in there, the baseline of he doesn't give up. It felt to me a little fan servicey, like somebody had gone to them the intervening years and they're like, but what about his car? And they were like, all right, asshole, here's what happened to his car. <laughs> um, and it's fine. Like, like I said, yeah. I, I, I like the, that little piece, but you know, 
the only quibble I have with like with the plot. Um, as far as you know, character development, I'm not. I'm not sure. There's a ton. That's not really the point of these movies. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, just the sheer the the scope of the films based on their internal timeline doesn't give you a whole lot of time for character development. <laughs> right. We're moving. No, We're they, moving. They've all happened so sequentially. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, but I, I do like, like I said, um, the the idea that he's brought back in and because of of this code, you know, there are, are certain things that he has to do. I was, I was always a little confused when it seems like in a world that would have a code like this, it would be against the rules to kill someone at the high table. But right. that, that doesn't seem to be the case here. Like John's not in trouble because he killed her. It's <laughs> just her brother now is going to pretend to avenge her death. So like, that part, it was always like, that seems weird, but cool. They're assassins, so sure, kill each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I do kind of wish we would have spent a little bit more time overseas. I know they do that uh, in three, you know, you get you get out of the country a little bit. But Rome felt like kind of a weird sidebar. Like, I wanted to see more of that. I wanted, like... Maybe there's some like weird Italian twist to the rules or something like that. I don't know. But it was just like he goes to Rome, he does his job, he comes back and we're in New York again, which is fine. But I would have liked to have seen more of that. Um, You know, the, the technical stuff still continues to be insanely good. Um, you know, you have to be okay with the color palette because that's not going to change, but that's a stylistic choice. <laughs> yeah. I like this. Like I said, this is probably my favorite of the three. Um, I don't think there's a set piece that's necessarily as tight as the Red Circle Club in the first one. Mm-hmm. But there are so many great little pieces. John's fight with like the sumo assassin. John's fight, and this is all shown in montage, John's fight where he ends up killing somebody with a pencil. Like we finally get to see that or <laughs> yes. two people with a pencil. <laughs> um, you know, those, those little pieces I feel like add up to a, to an even better whole um, than the sort of longer set pieces that we got in, in one. Um, Keanu is great. He, has nailed this character. It's funny. I went back and watched one just as a refresher and there is some stuff he does. And like Whitney refers to it as his inner monologue, but there is some like physical acting he does that like is incredible. I'm like, you have to just be committed. I don't know how else like at one point, And I, I don't remember the context, but there's a scene and like he makes a vein in his neck pop out. And that yeah. is that is like the sum total of his <laughs> acting. And I'm just like, You're oh like, shit, okay, I yeah, <laughs> I'm with yeah. you. Um, so yeah, it this movie's fantastic, and I hope it goes on the AFI list. <laughs> yes, prayer hands emoji, absolutely. <laughs> do <Agreed>. that. <laughs> Whitney, do you wanna you wanna pick it up? Oh, I agree with 
everything that Eric just said, um, with the exception of not liking three as much because I thought three was <laughs> incredible. Um, I think that this, I like the way that the movies have cranked up the extraordinary. Like, mm-hmm. one was extraordinary just because of the action scenes, but it was a pretty pared-down movie. I feel like the richness of scenes looking like paintings and the way that they're lit and the way that they're filmed looking like some sort of operatic Baroque scene, it's even more so in three than it is in two, but it definitely... I mean, it starts in, in one with the the Red Circle Club, but I think that two really amps it up. Everything looks like this beautiful painting. It looks operatic. I It's one of my favorite parts about this movie. I think that this is, and I th- this might potentially be controversial, I don't know. This is the best acting that Common has ever done. <laughs> is that I don't think that's controversial. <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't know. People like Common. And Common is beautiful yeah. to look at. Sure. And I like his music. And I, But he doesn't need to be in any movie that Common is ever in. He could be replaced by a better actor. He doesn't need to be in any of the movies that he's in. But I feel like the simmering rage that's under the surface at all times, like you were just talking about with the, the vein in Keanu's neck, there's like an eye twitch that Common does multiple times throughout this when he's like face to face with John. And it is incredible acting. And it is the most physical and it is also the most realistic his acting has ever been. Um, I think he's such a good counter to Keanu that it's kind of sad that it doesn't keep going throughout the movies. Yeah. But I like the sort of... James Bond, there's like some characters you see every time, but it's different villains, different people trying to kill him. There's a huge network of assassins and all of them know one another, but you don't necessarily see them repeat. I like that. But I just think that their chemistry together was so good. And Common did such a good job of this sort of constantly mentally trying to one up Keanu, but never really being able to. And that filling him with so full of rage that he's twitching. All the time. <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing. And obviously the whole fight with him and Keanu throughout the like World Trade Plaza or whatever it's called, the underground, where they're just so like good. walking and casually shooting. That's the best thing I've ever seen committed to film, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but also in yeah. the subway car and in the subway stations and all of that. Just incredible. And I really he's one of my favorite parts of the movie is because it, I was so taken aback by how much I liked his performance. I did, was not expecting anything bad, but I also wasn't expecting anything extraordinary. And I think he did an extraordinary job in this. Um, I love the... They definitely, because they amped up the absurdity of what they were doing, in addition to also amping up the brutality, like... There's not necessarily more fighting. There's a lot of fighting, but there's a lot of fighting in the first one. Um, But I do think there's a lot more blood in this one. And I think that they are like, we're going to take everything up another notch. We know that it's just this side of funny. And we would rather have you find this funny than find this too serious or too grotesque or too whatever. So they they purposefully added humor that isn't necessarily... Like, the humor in the first one, 
is very wry and not even really humor, but it does make you kind of chuckle. In this one, they were like, we want, we know that we are a little bit more absurd and we want you to know that we know that. Right. And I think that the wink. dialogue, the like dog reaction shots, anytime <laughs> the dog is around where they like yes. pan to the dog watching John Wick walk away out of the Continental or whatever. The whole Peter Serafinowicz gun sommelier uh, thing, incredible and definitely written for comedic timing. Um I like that because I like those breaks. I love a movie that goes balls to the wall, which this one does even more so than one. But I like when there's breaks in balls to the wall movies of humor. Um, And this one, I think, hits that tightrope perfectly for me. It is like, go, 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 go. And then something very funny. And then right back into go, go, go. I love Ruby Rose. Uh, <laughs> so much. She's so beautiful. <laughs> she's so beautiful. Um, she can wear a suit. She can she, wear a yes, suit. Yes, she can. Yes, she can. <laughs> um, she's incredible. I think that her. So I don't necessarily think she's that commanding of an actress as far as her skill goes but I think giving her no dialogue and having her sign massively increased her presence and her weight in a room full of people with a lot of charisma and a lot of weight like just based off of when I knew she was going to be in this one just based off of Orange is the New Black I didn't think she was going to be able to like stand up against all of these other people who are emoting so dramatically and so charismatic and so much just like weight in a room I didn't think she was going to show up but not only did she show up she held her own and I think that that was really great too I do think you're right that the the choice the the direction to go with non-speaking signing um forces you to to look at that character a little differently and I, I haven't seen her in anything that I thought she was a particularly good actress, but I, I, she pulled this off, I think, for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also like the... None of the inclusivity in any of these movies feels forced. None of the, like, badass cocky women feels forced. They all feel genuinely, like, badass cocky women... Um, I think that the diversity of ethnicity in the cast and everything, making this this global conspiracy just underneath the surface of (laughs) day-to-day life thing that they're doing, it flows so well. And I've never once with anything felt like this was shoehorned in, even with Ruby Rose signing throughout the movie. It felt, it fit. It did not feel to me like it was forced in for some sort of reason other than I think making her character stronger than it would have been if it was a speaking role. Hmm. Yeah. I can get behind that. I think that's everything that mm-hmm. I had to say. <laughs> check your notes. <laughs> check the, double check. Make uh-huh. sure this uh-huh. is, you get it out. You got to get it all out. <laughs> I'm going to go a little bit out of order here, but I'm only going to, so I haven't, so I know that I haven't watched this as many times as 
Melissa Chanka has. I'm not mm. quite there no, yet. No, not even close. So I pace myself a little I bit I can more. count the number of times I've seen this <laughs> on one hand. Sure, right. I'm thinking I'm probably, I might have just hit two hands, right? So that's about where I am. But it is a movie where if it is on, I'm watching it. But it's 100%. not It's not on cable or anything. <laughs> you know, it's got to, you got to catch it on HBO if, you know, whatever. But my my thing watching it this time was really focused on the visuals for whatever reason. And I looked it up. I have to give a shout out to the director of photography, Dan Laustsen, right? Uh, he did not shoot the first movie. This guy came in uh, because the original cinematographer, Jonathan Sella, was busy shooting Atomic Blonde, which uh, obviously has the same. Also great. <laughs> right. Yep. Also, also a masterwork. Uh-huh. Uh, but not this as guy, good of a story, but just no. as great of a movie. And the, uh, the uh, we could talk about it offline. I don't want to spoil how that movie ends, but... <laughs> Uh, no, I won't do it. If I won't you do haven't it. seen Atomic Blonde and you like the John Wick movies, see At- Atomic Blonde. It's yeah. very different, but it's also very alike. It's it's pretty scary. And if it, that the whole Cold War era, I, I dig it. I dig it so much. It's fine. I mean, you could do, we could set up a whole like another podcast stream of just movies inspired by John Wick and that is definitely yes. on the list. So. Oh, believe me, I thought about mm-hmm. it. So we'll, uh, you just follow <laughs> Chad Stahelski around for a couple of years, and yeah. that's all you need, really. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, so Dan Laustsen uh, is a, a Dutch fellow. I just got to shout. I got to shout this dude out. He, he. It was. It's the situation where, like, not only did he fully understand what made the first film great. But he took it and he elevated it. Mm-hmm. And that is not that is not an easy task. I mm-hmm. think about like uh, another movie that did that really well, in my opinion, was Blade Runner 2049. Now you have the master behind the lens for that one, Deacons. But like he understood that first movie and he was like, yep, got it. And and brought it up to this <laughs> next level. So I, I just I, watching it this time. The choreography, the the distances, the color palette, everything about it was like, God. I mean, I don't know how you shoot that sequence in the art museum where it's just mirrors and video walls. <laughs> well, yes, right. Mm-hmm. So that, it literally just has to be, I don't know what him, because that, tr- that is a choice, right? 100%. And I swear to God, my, my, every time I look at it, I'm like, How? Did they do this? Because mm-hmm. if this, I don't know, I can't remember what the budget for this movie was, but let's say it was like $80 million. It's like, all right, well, 20 has to go to just painting out the cameras and all of these mirrors because like it <laughs> yeah. is, it is no, an mean, incredible sequence. And that is one of these things where the John Wick movies do that, where it's like, here is a thing that you have literally never seen before. Enjoy this. And well, there it was. They, they no, they elevated it. They're like, you know that scene in every movie where somebody goes into the dumb hall of mirrors and then they start <laughs> shooting shoot, at yeah, the wrong we thing. Shoot around. Here's a classy I mean, yeah. version of that. People what have shot into moved? a mirror incorrectly like hundreds of thousands of right. times in cinema, but I've never seen it like this. Exactly. This is like the elevated classy version. 
<laughs> right. The mirrors spin, the camera moves, there's mirrors on the ceiling, on the floor, on the steps, behind the steps. It's everywhere. It's great. That sequence, perfect. And if you watch it again, go back and listen to the artist statement because it's a delightfully stupid juxta- juxtaposition <laughs> of what's going on. I was trying to listen to it. It's like a mirror into our own yeah, soul. It's, it's I catch like that part or whatever. And hopefully like show you some peace and like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. Somebody had a good time with that. Yeah. Uh, I'll echo what Whitney said. This is probably the funniest one. Every mm-hmm. single part of this has a, has a beat where it's like a, it's, it's a laugh out loud moment and it doesn't feel shoehorned or cheesy. It's like just a natural interaction. Everything felt like, yep, that's it. Like, uh, the one that right towards the end, you know, he's like, how, he's getting his dog and from the, um, Lawrence, uh, Lance Reddick. And he's like, how was he? He's like, he was a very good dog. I enjoyed his company. And I'm like, I was like what, is the, what a line. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance Reddick is a gem. <sighs> he's the best. I'm, I'm so excited for three just to really talk about him some more. Boy, does he shine in John Wick 3. <laughs> um, this movie, I think this introduces a really interesting, I'm, I'm going to call it the John Wick paradox, this franchise, uh, where the concept of less is more and more is more both work at the same exact time. <laughs> that's how, that's what I walk away from with this movie where I'm mm-hmm. like the start of it, like Eric said, very slow to reveal the scope. Like this movie very could is it could have easily just taken place in New York again. They didn't have to go to to Italy. They didn't even have to be like, this is a worldwide thing. If they were like the assassins are all in New York, that still would have been pretty cool. And I would have been like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That checks out a lot of people there. Uh, I just thought that the reveal of how they got everything kind of spoon fed it to us. I thought it was mm-hmm. quite, quite good. I talked about this with one, but the, and Eric's already talked about it and you just talked about it too, but I've, I've never seen a movie that has such a slow drip of exposition. Yeah. That has this fully formed world supposedly fully formed i mean it feels fully formed before they get into it maybe they had no idea that they were going to be building this world (laughs) in one yeah but it feels so cohesive and it feels so solid and it feels so already built and they don't tell you about any of it even in this movie where the whole thing is about like the high table and continentals in other countries and all that kind of stuff they still don't really tell you anything about it. They don't tell you who put this together. They don't tell you who in the world is doing this, who's in charge. There's so much of the rules and the blood oaths and the coins, and we don't know anything about them, but we do know a little bit about them, and we only know it as it's relevant to the story. We never yeah. get fed anything in advance. Well, and the the infrastructure seems to be like frozen in amber in like 1942. Like, yeah, like all of the, sure. they, they still have ledgers. They still use you know like pneumatic tubes. Like they have computers, but they're switchboards. Practically steampunk. Yeah, the switchboards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very. Oh my god, cool. I love I love the reveal of the, like the inner workings of the like all the hot tattooed girls working the switchboards and the computers yeah. and the like knobs and gears and 
That's like it's and it's very clearly like a lifelong gig, right? Like the the one lady is much mm-hmm. older, and then there are younger. So it's like you get this job. You, this is your job now. I, well, I, and then in in three, there's a non-binary person. I mean, I don't know how they identify, but there's there's a person in there. Like most of it is hot girls, but there's also people in there who are wearing the same uniform and have the tattoos and have the same hair, yeah. but are not clearly women. And so it's like. It's part of the uniform and the job yes, and they don't care if they don't actually need you to be like a hot pinup secretary kind of a thing. And I love that. I love that reveal <laughs> when they show that in the third one. Yeah, it's really cool. As both of you said, I, I believe or at least mentioned the gear, the gearing up scenes, which is a, which is the thing we've seen in every action movie, maybe ever. It the gearing up scenes in this it's movie great. are are hands down maybe the best one I've ever seen. The only one I could think of that like tells a story and does it kind of the same way or like at least mem- as memorably would be like Shaun of the Dead, where he's mm-hmm. going through and he's talking through <laughs> the plan. He's like, mm-hmm. all right, we, I, so that that was that really worked for me. The the suit maker, he was great. That whole thing is incredible, and and how long it takes them to get to tactical. Is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, you know, how many buttons, day or night, what kind of, <laughs> you know, all of these actual yeah. suit wardrobe questions that a custom tailor would ask you. And then he says lining and John Wick says tactical. And that's the first time that you really get clued in that that's what they do there is like yeah. bulletproof suits and whatnot. It's so good. It's, it's so good. <laughs> It's so good. This movie is so good. When it's yeah. punctuated by that seam, that like chain smoking seamstress, there's just like a slam cut to her <laughs> shooting a suit. Shooting the mannequin, yeah. 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 It's so good. It's so good. <sighs> yeah. Uh, and then just a couple small things. I thought the actress who played uh, Gianna D'Antonio was mm-hmm. great, as always. V- like a small role, but a good one. I love that scene. The whole I dynamic her up there. Immediately, I was like, "Who is yeah. this woman?" Yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. The him holding her hand was a nice little touch. That you know, we know who John is, right? But he does those little things like that, and you're like, "All right, all right." I also loved her saying. I've lived my whole life on my terms. I want to go out on my terms and you're not going to give me that choice. So yes. just the whole way that it was posed and the way that, that John Wick was like, totally get that. Yeah. He's like, that's I'm cool. I'm here for you <laughs> as a friend, even though I have to kill you. Um, I was thinking after this one, again, these are the thoughts that you get after a couple of watches of this. I think I would love to watch a movie where all the heads of the Continentals get together and just quip for a, for a while. I would oh love to God, see so Winston and the Italian fellow and anyone else just well, isn't that get the together. Concept for the TV show? I don't know if that's the case. If it is, I mean, I'm already sold on the TV show. Well, the con- <laughs> the, like, yeah, it probably not exactly what you said, but the TV show is supposed to be based around the Continental. So perhaps it's like a assassin of the week kind of thing i don't know but i'm into it yeah that was my guess when i heard that it was based around the continental was not so much that it's like all the owners of the continentals but that it was like the assassins who check in and check out and what they're doing each week why they're there that's fair yeah yeah Yeah. uh what i will say is i will watch anything that's john wick adjacent at all as long as they keep having the same (sighs) reverence for action that they all clearly do 
the language of the action movie is something that they have such put such a fine point on and so masterfully made their own and updated and changed and added different artistic touches to and whatever as long as the shows or future movies keep that same reverence and that same masterclass in this is how you film a fight scene this is how you tell a, the story of a fight scene this is how you cast people to be in these fight scenes as long as they keep doing that i'm down for whatever they do yeah absolutely because i think that's absolutely. what makes these so successful is just a really a tour level knowledge of action movies when they've they've you know i think you mentioned before but they've honed it to the point where like I don't feel like I've seen anything in these movies that couldn't actually be done, but mm-hmm. it is so crazy heightened that it, mm-hmm. yes, that it feels like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they've walked that line perfectly. And like, I don't want to step on the toes of whoever's on the third movie, but like you want ninjas on, you know, motorcycles chasing a guy on a horse. We'll do yes. that. The knife but we'll, museum, but like we'll still make it somehow seem realistic and really stylish, and you'll think it was the coolest thing you ever saw. I was like screaming in the knife museum fight <laughs> in the theater. People hated me in that movie because I was so hype. I could not. I didn't even know what noises I was making. <laughs> and it's like I've seen intense knife fights before, but this just took it to a different level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what all these movies do so well. Even if it's just someone getting stabbed in the like femoral artery or whatever, they do it at a level that's heightened compared to other femoral stabbings I've seen. <laughs> yes, you've never seen this before. Uh, two other thoughts, and then I just overall I love this movie, so I'm just picking out little things that I like. Like there's the. The, my thing is, and I still haven't decided where this goes in the ranking. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to like get to the end and really actually just make like a snap mm-hmm. judgment about it. But um, I absolutely love that Lawrence Fishburne's idea of a fancy dinner is Applebee's. I think that <laughs> shit is hilarious. Yeah. That line was delivered perfectly. Yeah. We go to Applebee's. That was great. I loved it. I loved the introduction to him too with like a a – homeless person begging for change and sort of talking to themselves in a sort of schizophrenic manner in the subway station and Keanu just going up to him and being like, here's an assassin's coin, take me to him. The whole way that that happened, the way that he hit him, the way that he shot the security guys or the like guys in the jumpsuits or whatever, the whole thing was so, took me so by surprise and with such a great introduction to how good Lawrence Fishburne was in that role and how great that part of the world, like that level of this underworld we don't know anything about. All of it was so great. But I think that that lead up with that guy in the subway station was the perfect, like pitch perfect way to introduce Lawrence Fishburne as the king of the this underworld. Yeah. You... And honestly, and then you it's get like, there. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, it's just literally <laughs> like every second to third New Yorker is an assassin. <laughs> so yes. Like just every, yeah, you're like, wow, there's really a lot of you there, huh? Okay. And I feel like that gets even more amped up in the third one. For and sure. It's, it's definitely absurd where you're like 
there's no one who isn't an assassin anymore. Right. What do you do in this? But like, why do you it. why do you clean up the subway if yeah. you're also an assassin? Like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. But it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Why are you a garbage man? <laughs> also an assassin. Mm-hmm. Oh. One of wild. those two jobs is enough to make me sure. tired. Let alone two of those jobs. You'll get there. Yeah. You'll make you'll make ends meet. I guarantee it. It's a couple coins. Go ahead, Eric. I know you had something. Oh, no, I was just going to comment, going back to the introduction of the Bowery King, I just love the moment when you actually meet Lawrence Fishburne. They are they are um, loading up carrier pigeons. So, like, again, mm-hmm. the infrastructure <laughs> is still something from, like, 1940, but they're loading them up yeah. with, like, SIM cards. Yep. <laughs> so and you're like, go, be free. Yeah. <clears throat> it's great. It's great. The the final thing I will say about this movie is actually the final thing of the movie. Mm. I have never, I don't know what the arrangement was with, I believe it's Lionsgate. I've never seen a movie more confident about getting another sequel than this movie. I oh have, yeah, it, for I, sure. It was like, I mean, I knew that it was tracking well and I knew that, you know, you can reasonably make assumptions about movie, but Chaz Dahelski was like, we'll save it for the third one. <laughs> It was like, yeah, totally. You got it. It that would have been kind of a bummer if that's how it ended. I'll kill them all, and then he runs away, and that's it. I'm like, oh, damn it, John. I mean, it's still a pretty badass ending, though. Like, even if they don't get picked up for a third, that that moment when Winston like just shows him his power, right? You're just it's like, so cool. oh shit, like, because <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, it's it's you know he's in trouble. You've seen it. They they 100% do it in the first one. They call her to the exact same place and kill yeah. her for killing somebody in the Continental. Like, you know it's coming. But you're like, God, how much time is left in this movie? What the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, like I said, that's part of what makes me so excited about these movies is that they did not feel any need to explain any more than they already had. They were just like, we're going to end this in a ring surrounded by assassins with guns <laughs> trained on you and you have to run away and we're not going to tell you any more about it. We're not going to tell you any way that anyone has ever gotten out of this because no one has ever gotten out of this. And it's just like, <laughs> I just love the, the how much showing rather than telling there is because it's so much showing that you are like, wait, what else is happening here? How are you ending a movie like this? And I love it. It's pretty great. There's, as a little uh, Easter eggy side note, we are all, I guess, at various stages of potentially playing John Wick Hex. And uh, there is a, you get a trophy called Excommunicado if you start a new game at exactly 6 p.m. Any day. doesn't matter. <laughs> and I was like, this is the greatest universe in history. I love it. I love That's it. It's fun. <laughs> well, now I got to do that. Yeah, I'm setting it's an, an easy trophy. Right yeah, <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> six p. Five fifty eight. I'll boot up the PS4. Start the new game. It's great. Um, yeah. Overall, everything about the, the there was not a moment of this movie that felt wasted pace wise or anything like that. Uh, not too much character development, but again, I'm not. We're not here for that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's they just keep 
winning. That's that's how I feel about this <laughs> this franchise. It's like, yeah, uh, it's it's something else. It's something to behold. Truly. Do we have any other thoughts on John Wick Chapter Two? No. <laughs> Eric, you got anything? I mean, I do, but it's more of like a sentence fragment than it is a full thought. Yeah, get it out there. Hey, there are a bunch of like characters in this film named for like mythological people. Um, like yeah. Lance Reddick is named for like the boatman to hell. Um, Ruby Rose is named Ares, the goddess of war. John's wife was Helen. Um, do we think they're actually playing with mythology here? Or do we think that's just like a cool sort of edge Lord thing that somebody threw into the <laughs> script? Uh, Why not both? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that there's probably an element of wanting to add a sense of history and mythology. Um, but I also think, you know, a lot of these people clearly have like code names and stuff. And I think it's pretty common that people would choose stuff from mythology and, you know, gods and goddesses and that sort of thing when you're choosing a name for yourself in this world. All right. Yeah. John Wick is just like, I'm John Wick. I can't pretend that I'm anybody else. I mean, I just don't recall anyone calling Lance Reddick's character by name. Yeah, I don't think that ever happens. <laughs> I don't think they do. <laughs> yeah, so like to give him that particular name just strikes me as odd. But I'm, I'm just reading too much into this. You said you watched <laughs> the first one more recently. Was he the guy who showed up for Perkins to get her? Or was it someone else? Because if he's always the guy they send when it's time for you to die, that would be awesome. <laughs> it might be, but I don't know. I can't remember if he went yeah, after Yeah, I don't recall that they sent anyone for I her. Think, I think we just yeah, see her meeting see in the park. in the same yeah. way. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. he like literally. That's what like, oh, he escorts on. people to their death. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. That would be a cool, you know, it's like a small thing. But Maybe it was a deleted yeah. scene that we didn't get. Damn it. Come on, Chad. <laughs> that is neat. Something to think about. Something to ask about, maybe. So. All right. Is it is time? It, is it time? It's time. All right. Very excited. The last time I, I actually physically knocked, so after the song, I'll, I'll do that again. and Maybe Charles will answer. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Oh my, Pop Quiz Asshole is our very own little quiz show where our host asks each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the other has a chance to steal. And if they get it wrong, the other person has a chance to steal, assuming they remember the remaining answer. Points are not cumulative and only determine who wins the episode. Let's, let's not mince any words. Let's be like John Wick and bring out our master of ceremonies. Charles Nolan. I think you have to knock. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. Hello, Charles. How is everybody doing? Great. Doing well. Doing, doing great. <laughs> doing well. Doing, yeah. So glad to hear it. 
What do you What do you have for us? Charles? I have trivia. <laughs> oh, okay. Excellent. Well, that That's works what we're out. Here for. <laughs> I think last time you may have rolled a die to determine who, who went first. Yes, but that was because there were only two of you. <laughs> oh, dang! This right. time we will start with Eric. Perfect. All right, Eric. Yes, sir. What is the date on John's car's registration sticker, which is a reference to the day the original movie was released? Whoa. Is it 9, 10, 14, 10, 10, 14, or 11, 10, 14? 9, 10, 14. That is incorrect. Yeah. Steel. Whitney. 10, 10, 14. That is correct. Nice. Nice. It's right done. before my birthday. That's why I remember it. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving on to Whitney. Uh, Charles, just want to make a quick note here. Jody in the chat says hello. Hello, Jody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we can continue. What year does Aurelio jokingly estimate John's car repairs will be complete? Was it 2020, 2030, or 2040? Christmas of 2030. That is correct. Nicely done. That that joke made me laugh out loud in the rewatch because I don't remember seeing it in the other times, hearing it in the other times. Uh, yeah, 2030 made me laugh. He was in this movie for... Three minutes? Great three minutes. Best one of the Fabulous best three minutes. Three minutes, yeah. <laughs> so good. Andrew. All right. Ruby Rose's character is never referred to by name during the movie. What's her character's name? Thanks, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> is it A Athena? B Hera or C Ares? I'm gonna go with C Ares. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> just giving them away, Eric. I mean, I just, I was trying to make a salient point about the film. I'm sorry, Charles. Did. I didn't. And in doing so, you gave me a Didn't know point. I was going to step on your toes. It's okay. <laughs> is it though? Because I feel like now you're mad at me. <laughs> I don't know how to be mad. <laughs> You'll know if he's mad if your question has to do with numbers now. So um, <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh-huh. <laughs> Eric. The DJ playing at the coronation in Rome wrote the music for John Wick's one and two. What is his DJ name? Potentially inspired by a video game. Is it A, La Beautiful Joe? B, La Castlevania? Or C, the Chrono Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually one of those three. <laughs> I just want it to be the Chrono Trigger, so I'm going with that one. That is incorrect. <laughs> damn. God damn it. <laughs> Steel, I guess? Whitney. Uh, the Castlevania? That is correct. Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> what a name. What a guy. Oh, that's fun. Continuing your domination, Whitney. Yes. Unbelievable. 
Gianna calls John death's very what? A. Emissary B. Embodiment or C. Avatar I'm gonna say Emissary? That is correct. Nailed it. Oof. That one, I really didn't know. <laughs> that one was pure guesswork. I hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> I know all the answers to the questions I don't get. I made this uh, game for uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I had you, a bad Charles. side, you'd be on it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Andrew. Uh, all right. <laughs> what is Cassian's drink of choice? Is it A, bourbon, B, vodka, or C, gin? That would be C, gin, because that's my drink of choice. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. Eric. The broad street bound train that Cassian and John fight each other on is what letter train? <laughs> B, C, or D? Uh, that's the D train. That is incorrect. <laughs> Steel. Whitney. This one's not fair because I lived in New York. That's the B train. That is incorrect. No. Is it is really? It? The B train. I was so sure. Is it the, I, I'm going to go with C train. That is correct. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. By I was default. so positive as the B train. That makes me upset. <laughs> John Wick is inaccurate. It I is. Like it anymore. No, I'm sure I'm inaccurate. I never went to the trade center. All right. Oof. Whitney. Yes. Two men dress as subway workers and try to kill John. What is the word on the back of their jumpsuits? Sanitation, maintenance, or janitor? I think it's janitor. That is incorrect. Steel. Eric. Sanitation. That is correct. Nailed it. Coming back. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a big goose egg. All right. <laughs> For the final question of regulation. Okay. Andrew, Winston's order of John being excommunicado is confirmed on which classic computer screen? Was it a Tandy TRS-80, a Coleco Atom, or a Commodore 64? God damn it. Um, I'm going to go with a Tandy TRS-80. That is incorrect. Shit. Steel. Eric. Commodore 64? That is correct. Nailed it. I'm glad. I got nervous about that one because I did not remember what the other option was. <laughs> I was I, like, I, no one remembers Coleco Adam. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Out. We have three bonus round questions. As a reminder, you get to buzz in for the bonus round. Whitney and Andrew, we heard your buzzes last week. Eric, will you remind us of your buzzer sound? <laughs> that's really why we have Eric on. Just <laughs> that's for the buzzer. Just for my Ruby Rod impression? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. 
All right. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus round. Question number one. Michael Nyquist and Peter Stormare play Russian mobster brothers. They're both from the same country, though it isn't Russia. What country are they from? Me. I heard Eric first. Sweden. That is correct. What well is done. up? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think quick I'm, on that buzzer. Think quick I'm still losing, buzzer. but you know. <laughs> the hey. score is currently Eric with three, Whitney with four, Andrew with three. <gasps> Anyone's game. Anyone's game. Bonus round question number two. How many minutes does it take for the audience to see the third build actor in this movie, Lawrence Fishburne? Oh my god. Is it 75, 80, or 85? Bzzz. <laughs> Eric. 80. That is incorrect. Me? Whitney. 85? That is correct. There you go. There you go. It's a long ass time. I loosened the lid for you. It's a very long ass time. (laughs) (laughs) Loosen the lid. I love it. For the final question of Pop Quiz Asshole. All right. According to the Void's calculations, how many deaths do we see in this movie? (laughs) Damn it. Oh my gosh. 103. 116 or 129? Andrew. I'm just going to go with the biggest one, 129. That is incorrect. Damn it. Me. Whitney. 116? That is correct. Well done. Going into the bonus round, it was anybody's game, but at the end of it, with a score of six to three to three, Whitney wins again. Unbelievable. Well done, though. Well played. I'm running around the stadium <laughs> with a flag, with my piece of the aggro crag hoisted above my head. Mark Summers or whoever... Uh, Mike O'Malley is cheering you on. Yeah, Mike Summers is double dare. Yeah. I he's do a, believe it's he's a local Mark fella. Summers. Mark, Mike yeah. O'Malley. I Mike think you're O'Malley. right. Yeah. His right. guts. We did it. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time for Pop Quiz Audience. Oh, there it is. Nice. We had two questions from last episode. Question number one was, what does the poster say that Ellen has made at the beginning of the movie? Zoe P got this one right, apologizing for the wording, which was, and I did just realize I'm now going to have to say this out loud. (laughs) Suck my skinny balls. I also Uh apologize. (laughs) Well, yep. There you go. Question number two was, what does Dr. Beckham's coffee mug say? And this one 
was correctly guessed by Jody. It's world's okayest doctor. <laughs> okay, you said that gave you a tra- world's okayest doctor. Dig it. Well done, Jody. Thank you, Zoe, and thank you, Jody. We now have three questions for Pop Quiz audience for John Wick 2. Question number one. What is John Wick's license plate? Question number two. The rooftop garden where John confronts Winston about the marker situation was used in a famous scene from what 2002 superhero movie? (laughs) And question number three. What's the name of the cheesy museum exhibit through which John chases Santino? (laughs) <laughs> As always, you can tweet to me at the Nolan T H E N O W L I N, or hashtag Pop Quiz Audience. And if you get your answer incorrectly before anyone else, you'll get shouted out in the next episode. Perfect. Ah, <sighs> it's a great game. As always, Charles. It really is. Thank a you. Great game. Whitney, Thank Andrew, you for the effort. I'm glad that you both enjoy it. Eric, I'm sorry you hated it so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoy it. I just hate how bad I am at it. I'm sorry. You work very hard on that. Have you tried watching the movies? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I got to go get some salve for that burn. Wow. I got I got to go guys. I got to go to Penn's burn unit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I didn't mean it. <laughs> That's a lie. It is. Char- Charles oh. just lied. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that is all that I have for you this week. I'm going to go watch the next six John Wick movies because I have access to all of them in the void. Unbelievable. Nice. They only get better. (laughs) I I do. I believe that. I believe that. Yes. Good. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Charles. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Oh, my God. What a game. What a movie. Mm-hmm. You ready to deep dive on it? I'm actually just going to yep. use Wikipedia because this is quick. And if you haven't seen this movie, I mean, what are you doing listening to us? Just go watch, yeah. the, go watch the GD thing. Come on. Also, it's more fight scenes than it is dialogue. So Yeah. So well worth a watch, obviously. We don't need you to tell. You don't need us to tell you that. So go for it. All right. Here we go. <laughs> You fill in the gaps if there's anything that I, that Wikipedia rather skips over here. Former assassin John Wick retrieves his stolen Mustang from a chop shop owned by Abram Tarasov, brother of Vigo and uncle of Yosef from the first movie. John dispatches Tarasov's men in a violent rampage that heavily damages the Mustang, rest and rip, uh, but spares <laughs> Tarasov under the auspices of peace and returns home later cementing his weapons into the ground once again. John would make an excellent, you know, cement worker as well. It was like a, that was a crisp job that he did down there. So props, props. <laughs> After chop shop owner Aurelio 
takes John's Mustang in for repairs, John is visited by Italian crime lord Santino D'Antonio, who reminds him that he once helped John with his impossible task, which was referenced in the first movie, which allowed John to retire and marry Helen. In return, Santino swore to John uh, a marker, and that's an unbreakable promise symbolized by a blood oath medallion. It's very cool. I like how they introduce these little gadgets and components of this world. First, we just get coins. Now we get these cool-ass markers. Very ornate. Did I tell you that Lindsay gave me one of those for my birthday? Oh, shit. I, fe- I feel like you did tell me that, and I totally spaced I on have, it. I have like four or five assassins coins and a blood marker. Nice. Does it like, yeah. does it open and stuff or is it like- It more... does open and there's <gasps> a there's a bloody thumbprint inside. <laughs> nice, nice. I love but, it. But whose? <laughs> is it, That's between I mean, me and the, is, the is, thumbprint owner. Is it Lindsay's? <laughs> who, do, who owes you? Who owes you big <laughs> is what I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> um... Santino presents the medallion, and he's like, John, you're back in the fray, buddy. Let's do this thing. John declines. He's like, I'm out. I just came back to do this one thing, and then I got to leave. So I can't help you. Uh, Santino, then he burns his house down. So uh, this is very much in keeping with the first film in terms of kind of how things go for John. Not really much choice in it. (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) Forced my hand. Um John walks to the Continental, apparently. I think he lives in New Jersey. Is that? Is I that think he also lives in New Jersey. <laughs> yes. yes, I think he walks from New Jersey uh-huh. to Midtown Manhattan. Cool. Let's cool. hope it's Just, like Jersey City. Like, I hope he's at least sort of close. <laughs> Right. It's like, yeah, please. Hopefully he's just on the other side of the but bridge. But I think he maybe. goes over the wrong bridge if he's in Jersey City. <laughs> yeah. It does not look, it yeah. looks like a walk. It's a hike. It makes for a really great shot of him coming over the bridge. That's, that's about uh, all it's the good dog. for. Yeah. Uh, so good. So good. Uh, he goes to talk to Winston, who we love. And John, and then uh, Winston reminds John that if he rejects the marker, he violates one of the two unbreakable rules of the Continental, which is just a great way to deliver a little bit of exposition. Just so it's like, mm-hmm. hey, you can't kill anybody here and you can't do this. It's like, great. When you have Ian McShane tell me exposition, it doesn't feel like exposition. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like that's how Ian McShane would talk to me. So there we go. Uh, John reluctantly accepts the commitment, meets with Santino tells him he has to assassinate his sister, Gianna, so he can claim her seat at the high table, which is a council of 12 high-level crime lords. Okay. Santino sends Ares, as we have talked about, Ruby Rose, his bodyguard, to oversee John. Really, I think, to spy on him, and then, as we find out in a little bit, you know, tie up some loose ends. We arrive in Rome. John infiltrates Gianna's coronation party, confronts her in her dressing room, Faced with certain death, Gianna chooses to take her own life by slitting her wrists. Once she dies from blood loss, he shoots her in the head to complete the marker. Uh, On his way out, Cassian, played by Common, Gianna's bodyguard, recognizes John, and upon realizing that John was there to kill Gianna, begins to attack and confront him. This is a very cool sequence, not unlike the the nightclub. A little bit, little variation on a theme, but I really also Mm -hmm. enjoyed this. Um, John escapes through the catacombs with the way he snuck in, uh, which is where he is actually ambushed by Ares and Santino's henchmen. Uh, again, they're there to just tie up loose ends and he dispatches them handily very, very easily. And in 
very dramatic fashion. It's awesome. And, and using everything. Yeah. Using everything set up in the, the, the getting ready scene, like the weapon selection scene. And there's a scene of him, like, I'm going to put this gun here so that when these yes. guys come, I can shoot them with this. Like it's mm-hmm. very methodical. <laughs> it's yeah. Oh my God. I keep going back to that scene and the words they used something robust. <laughs> great. Great. Um, so John gets out, kills all the henchmen, escapes. Uh, he's walking down the street. He gets uh, hit by a car driven by Cassian. Wow. Crazy. Dude can't catch a break. There's an intense battle, but they eventually, it kind of tumbles into the Continental where they uh, blow off some steam at the bar eventually. Can't do business on Continental grounds. Go, got, You guys go have a drink. It'll be fine. Uh, John explains why he had to kill Gianna, this marker. Uh, Cassian understands, but vows revenge. He will never stop until John's dead. So there you go. He promises him a quick death. Uh, as a as a professional courtesy, I, I really liked how that line gets turned around a little bit later too. Mm-hmm. Uh, John returns to New York. Santino opens a seven million dollar contract for John's death under the guise of avenging his sister. All right, you shot the devil in the back. Uh oh. Uh oh. This leads to a pretty funny series of uh, like a montage of people trying to kill John Wick and having various degrees of success with that. <laughs> I was like, this is great. Yeah, that this montage, dude. like you see, you see him do the order and that's when we get all of that like infrastructure stuff and then they have like a phone caller, like an automatic caller. So people's phones are just going off all over the city and like you see, you see somebody like, you know, like I said, like the sumo guy is out on a date yeah. Um, you know, there's the violin one, player. Like yeah. The, yeah. The she's like street busking. performer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just happens it's, to have a gun in her violin. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like in the body of the violin. It's like, that has to have an effect on the acoustics. Uh-huh. You just have to, I don't know. It's cool. Cool stuff. Yeah. It's fun. Um, <laughs> uh, so they all fail. That's suffice to say, John kind of, I mean, he gets a little beat up, but he wins. Uh, eventually Cassian catches up with John in the subway. Now this is after a little bit of a chase and one of the coolest scenes that Whitney brought up where they're shooting each other kind of through their jackets with silencers. It was, it was actually very funny how they pulled that off. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I even liked the bit leading up to that. I think it's before they get in the subway where they, do they see each other like across the fountain at Lincoln center? Yes. Like that was so good. Yeah. It was just, I was like, oh shit, that was cool. (laughs) And then the fountain goes up. Yeah. They start shooting. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was really well done. It should also be noted that, and I didn't think this was necessary, but it was still really cool during that sequence where he's killing all of the assassins that are coming at him. We do see how John manages to kill people with a pencil and it's as disturbing as you would believe it to be. Not great. Mm -hmm. Not great for the people involved. There's a very tense fight on the subway between John and Cassian. I love this. I love the tension. I love that John was trying, just from a couple looks, like what Whitney has always said, uh, it seems like he's genuinely concerned about the people that are on the train just by like looking over his shoulder and stuff like that. Very cool. Um, Eventually, uh, John mortally wounds Cassian. He leaves him alive. So we don't actually know if his story is over yet, which is kind of cool. He says, but if you take this knife out of your chest, you will die. But he doesn't. 
So who knows? Who knows? John is hurt really bad. And what he does is he's still continuing to be chased. He seeks out the help from uh, the, seeks out help from an underground crime lord known as the Bowery King. So uh, there's a homeless man. He puts uh, one of the gold coins in his cup. He says, "Take me to him." Um, then this homeless man transports him to the Bowery King, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Incredibly, I might add. They take care of John's injuries, guide him to the art museum where Santino is holding a gala, and they give him a gun with seven bullets because of his $7 million bounty. Uh, it's just great. That's a million dollars a bullet, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, he is 100% great. Every word he says in this movie. Uh, John dispatches again Santino's henchman. He, he is ch- I mean, this sequence of the chase through the museum is incredible. They start at this outer gala area, and it's just basically a hallway of death and destruction in John's wake. Very, very cool. Uh, he chases Santino through a mirror exhibit in the, in the museum, which we've seen. Uh, if you've ever seen a promo for this movie, you have seen this thing, this incredible set piece that they have developed. Um, Santino eventually like, evades capture after uh, Ares rescues him. Ares uh, eventually dies also in a fight with John. But Santino flees to the Continental for sanctuary. And uh, once John arrives, he makes it clear that he intends to stay there for forever, probably. Uh, despite Winston telling him otherwise, John shoots Santino in the head, right on Continental grounds. And he says, I finished it. Uh, the next day, Winston sends for John, who had gone home to look for Helen's bracelet he, with his dog. He's just hanging out in this kind of half-burnt-down house. <laughs> and he explains that, uh, per the high table, the contract on John has been doubled and then offered globally. As a consequence of also killing Santino on continental grounds, Winston declares John is excommunicado, which is, uh, that means he lost all access and privileges to the anything associated with the continental. So doctors, guns, all the cool shit that we've seen him have access to. That's off, that's off the table now. Uh, and that the bounty will go live <laughs> in one hour. So he gives him a little bit of a head start and he hands him a marker. He's like, you might need this a little bit later down the line. Turns out down the line is about three hours from now in the world of John Wick, but that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, as the contract is activated and everyone's getting their cell phones through this automatic caller thing, John is running through, I don't know what park that is. Whitney, can you help me out? Is that Central Park? I don't know. It's Central Park. Okay, so yeah, I didn't know if that was some smaller named area, but uh, he's running. Everyone... Everyone around him, their phones are lighting up, so it's very clear. Everyone in this park is an assassin, and they just have to bide their time for one hour. Uh, he, start, he, he books it with his dog, and that's the end of the movie. Again, perfect. What a perfect ending. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. It's great. great. <laughs> yep. If you listen to me explain it and you haven't seen it, I apologize because <laughs> that shit, while while accurate, does not do the movie justice at all. <laughs> so no, not even a little bit. <laughs> so, all right, uh, what do we do now? I know what we do. We uh, <laughs> we ask a, a rhetorical question: Do you recommend this film? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Got it. Logged. <laughs> Whitney, I'll take your silence as a yes. 
Um, uh, obviously. So we are all good there. Uh, Whitney okay. has passed out due to lack of air conditioning. <laughs> she's, she's, I'm out. I'm done. I'm I'm close to shorting out my microphone right now. So. <laughs> It's so hot in Philadelphia today. You've painted like a very, it's with so few, like so few words, you've painted an exact picture of what is actually happening to you right now. (laughs) And I got to give it up. It's really, really quite incredible. It's uh, been a weird day. It's crazy hot. There was hail. There was like the size of quarters earlier today. I thought I was going to die in the hail. (laughs) downpour i got three different flood notifications on my phone being like don't go in your basement you might die don't try to leave where you are it was wild and (laughs) also it's very hot all right so uh this is the most interesting part for me where is this going in your rankings whitney number one number one really yes why is that um, because I like it more than the first John Wick, which was in my number one spot. Okay. Fair enough. Hey, fair enough. I'm in a real pickle here. But, uh, I don't know. Eric, where are you putting this? I'm curious. Because your number one movie is not John Wick. You're at, you're the Matrix Point Break and then John Wick. No. So where are you going to go with this one? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, my criteria is what I want to re-watch. So I think this goes in number one. Holy shit! Oops, I didn't mean to insert a whole column on our fancy dance. <laughs> Look at this guy! <laughs> <laughs> it's all thrown off. Control Z. No, I fixed it. I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that a, people uh, listening to the podcast are like, what the hell are they talking about? Everybody, we're working in a spreadsheet. It's, <laughs> it's, cr- it's crucial that we do this correctly. Really exciting behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> I think um, I think I'm going number two for John Wick chapter two. No? Yeah, I'm going to do that. All right. Second okay. place. I don't know. I like how economical the first one was. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a sucker for an origin story. Even though John Wick 1 was not an origin story at all, it was kind of just like we're plopped in. But I like, I don't know, there's something about that world that just, and it's very special, the first of the thing. I love it. Mm-hmm. So it'll be very curious where we are in about three more movies, though. <laughs> So, I mean, we don't have that many movies left to do, do we? I know. It's really, I think it's eight now. This is crazy. Two people, John Wick Chapter 2 at number one. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there we go. Everyone recommends. Very highly rated. It's safe to assume that it's probably Evan's number one. Probably. And it's probably pretty high for Lindsay. Also. I mean, if it's not, then um, probably we'll stab him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So All watch right. your back, Andrew. All right. <laughs> right. Hey, two is. Yeah. All right. We'll get to. Look, all right. Fine. 
Let's talk next week. Let's talk next week. Because this is weird. Because we're coming off of John Wick Chapter 2. But then Whitney is walking us through a movie called... Some garbage movie I've never heard of. <laughs> hey, hey. We don't know that's for sure yet. Um, but maybe. Oh, I'm sure I've uh, never heard of it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, a happening of monumental proportions... It's crazy that there are movies that Keanu has done. Still, this is 2017. Still. I have never heard of this movie. Yep. But uh, it was directed by Judy Greer. Yeah. And I love Judy I hope, Greer. Right. Uh, I like, well, now I'm already kind of more on board because Hollywood uh, grossly underutilizes Judy Greer in everything that she's in. Uh, and I just, well, it's good that she's directing. So hopefully, now I'm hopeful, at least. So thank you for giving me that. Yeah, I don't want to uh, give an unpaid plug for, you know, merch, but there's a great site called Super Yaki. And yes, they sell some really fun t-shirts. And one of them is Judy Greer should have been the lead. That's it's just what it says. <laughs> Across the t-shirt. That's amazing. That's that is incredible. I love Super Yaki. I own the shirt that says uh, "Be nicer to Kellamy Tran." No, that's me. No, I have the executive produced by Kathleen Kennedy shirt. Okay, so I love that. Yes, I wear. I was like Last Jedi. We're doing this thing. Uh, So there you have it. Mm. Happening of monumental proportions. Super Yaki. That's Y A K I. I believe. Correct. (laughs) <laughs> so go there support local art local <clears throat> artists. I don't know if she's local okay that does it we got to the end we did it sweet we this, did it. this was a marathon podcast day for you Whitney how are you feeling are you exhausted uh, I am exhausted I did move at some point during the recording to laying completely horizontal <laughs> because <laughs> Yeah, hey. three plus hours of podcasting is a lot of podcasting, but I'm feeling good because it was a great episode. It's John Wick, and you know, like, what's not to love? Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Yeah. So, all right. So, as always, we'll be back next week. But uh, Whitney, why don't you tell the good folks where they can find you on the internet? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. And you can find uh, all of my other podcasts and whatnot there. Uh, Historical Hotties. We just, the episode that I recorded just before recording this episode of Cool Breeze is about uh, swimmers, the hottest swimmers in history. So we talked about that. And that will be out very soon. And then also... Follow me on Instagram at Whitney Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N with no underscore. If you want to see pictures of the dog that I'm hopefully <laughs> fingers crossed meeting and getting in two days. Yay. Puppers. Yay. Peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking love that name. <laughs> it's really good. Eric, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I mean, I've been not on social media much lately, but... Uh, the best place to find me is probably on Instagram or Twitter under Platypus Jones. It's all one word and there's no fancy spellings. There you go. There you go. Jody says uh, two days in the chat. I don't know what that means. 
Were we talking two about days something? for my dog? Oh, Jesus Christ. I, so I meet <laughs> my dog in two days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. I thought yeah. she was referencing something that I forget that there's that delay in the chat. So when Eric mm-hmm. was talking, she wrote two days and I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Ah, it's been a long day. All right. The code me and <laughs> Jody have. <laughs> she just, Damn it. she just activated me to kill somebody. Oh no! <laughs> Some real treadstone stuff going on here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you can find me on the internet at Dark Driving. Uh, Twitter, Instagram are the best. Uh, I stealth launched my new website today, and I have all sorts of new fun stuff up there if you're into like video stuff. I even decided to add a little podcasting and voiceover section since that is the thing that I find myself doing now, weirdly. So. Go there. Check that out. It'll be cool. Well, I want to do voiceover. How do you do that? Anyway, we can I'll talk later. You, I'll hook you up. I'll <laughs> add you to my roster. It'll be great. Thank you for reaching out about that right here on this show. <laughs> it's appropriate, right? This is, this is how Yes, of course. Yeah. This is all voice. It's the, it's the only thing that matters in voiceover. <laughs> so. <laughs> all right. I'm going to press this button. <laughs> Jody. You're the best. Thank you for hanging out. Anyone else in the chat who was here wasn't hanging out. They're talking. You're the best also. Uh, Whitney, Eric, as always, thank you. In the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Oh, that's how you do it. That's a show. You know how I know Whitney's tired? (laughs) What? She didn't sing along to the theme song. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, I ain't got the. I'm done with this shit. (laughs) (laughs) 